You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that is shifting the way we think, interact and transact. Hello, Pat. How are you? Good. Thank you. Afternoon. Yes, it's a bit strange to be doing this in the afternoon, but it does come with benefits, isn't it? So we're uh, having a chance to have a beer and have a chat. So we, uh, quite often it's a coffee and a chat, but Friday Avo knockoffs. See if you can notice the tone. <laughs> Could be better. Could be, could be on. It's <laughs> really to say. Could be on. Here in the shank. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been pretty frenetic. So yeah, yeah hence the uh, hence partly the change the change in time. But yeah, it's uh, it's been busy. Been really really busy actually. Yeah. Well, that's good, mate. Yeah, out there creating value. Yeah. yeah. And good yourself. Segue. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise, it's been busy. It's been a big busy end of the year this financial year, which is nice. I think everyone's trying to get a sense, everyone's getting a grip on what's going on and then plowing through with plans that have been in the pipeworks for a long time. Absolutely. So that's just the way, hmm. way it is at the moment. Now, tell me this. So, before we get into um, kind of the today's topic around value. So, have you, this is a, this is a question, there's no defined answer, mm-hmm. but how do you think of years now? So, do you think of a year more as like a calendar year that kind of ends in December and it's New Year's? Or do you think now more in tax years and kind of, you know, end of financial year is, you know, so like um, June 30 is your New Year's Eve? Hundred percent June thirty, but I definitely think of it more now in four parts than mm. like one part. There's, so you're, you've gone to quarters. Yeah, like it just feels like mm. quarters. Like I feel way more that sort of January time is. You've just got to soak up the sun. Yeah. <laughs> you do <laughs> and yeah. enjoy. Yeah, um, it's a lot. It's a completely different understanding of what time is and just understanding rhythm hmm. um, running a business like this and a service business. Um, there's beauty to it and just getting a sense of the rhythm at different stages. But yeah, 100% more focused on just the other nature of work where everything lands, deadlines, hmm. timelines, everything like that. It, it just pushes you to a new reality, which is the end of fin year and the beginning of the new fin year. So Absolutely. we're getting close to um, New Year's Eve. Yeah, absolutely. Not a, not that long to go. No, so it feels good. And you're off to the snow soon. So off to New Zealand. So we're either going to be zooming in, homing in, Joey, yeah, deep in powder over in NZ, or we might have a hiatus. Yeah, we might have. We might have a week. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how we go. So if if um, yeah, it's forget if it's, radio silence. It's because Joey's heli skiing. In <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If it's if or it's he's pushing the girls down. Yeah. The what, or both. <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> or, dangerous. Yeah, I could combine their tobogganing and my love of heli skiing and uh, well heli boarding Jeez, in uh, in one in one foul swoop. Yeah. yeah. Don't oh. be don't be worried. You're on a toboggan. <laughs> My imagination is going wild, but I reckon everyone's in for for a treat and a few surprises because it's in your blood. You've you know grew up in Canada where it snows a lot, where in Australia here it doesn't snow very often. Not so much. Your girls have the the Australian perspective. You have the Canadian perspective in you. So I'm looking forward to hearing the reports yeah. of how they experienced frothing dad in the snow yeah it'll be yeah no i'm looking forward to seeing how it all un- unfolds as well but it's like a it's yeah like a clash of cultures brought together in a in another culture so Friction, kind of if you over, will over which the are going. <laughs> exactly bang nailed it in one <laughs> so off the back of last week trying mm. to understand where value is created captured part two mm. we really wanted to dive into creating value off the back of friction mm. not just the redhead matchsticks which create a flame but more so in industry areas 
of life where value can be created around a friction from solving and even from furthering a friction. Absolutely. Uh, well put. Um, and I think so much of um, creating value from friction, the key real question to actually ask yourself is that has this actually been solved solved before? So kind of getting to any type of scale in, in a friction moment is there's two aspects to it. So, um, you know, kind of if you're a fan or not a fan of Peter Thiel, um, I don't care which side of that you really land on. But what he kind of talks about in really a book that probably captures the es- the essence of this is that it's how quickly can you grow and how fast can you scale in terms of kind of being able to actually address asymmetry or friction so particularly it mostly relates to when one side has more if the way that i try to think about it is one side has more knowledge than the other and what you're trying to do in kind of friction is you're either trying to alleviate that so you're trying to go okay well um so for example a classic great example of that is um like markets around like furniture right so no one really knows or like washing machines or like television so if i ask you how much does it cost to make a television you're not going to know and if i tell you how much does it kind of you know how much could you then take it build it etc for you're not going to know that either but what you can do is if you're on the other side of this and you're kind of seeing that friction of that people believe that washing machines etc are expensive you can then look into the supply chain and figure out ways to actually remove some of that friction Mm -hmm. but you're not going to jump in there and start making washing machines yourself but you probably find a supplier that can make one slightly cheaper etc you go in you sell that the customer is happy because you removed a friction i don't want to pay that much for a washing machine but at the other end of that where mostly in technology it tends to live is that there's asymmetry in markets so someone knows more or that there's a piece of information that people are not necessarily in on Mm -hmm. so even facebook if you think about Facebook as a concept, what they really were able to do is kind of go, okay, if we can put everyone together and we actually have them posting content, we have their engagement, we can then basically create a algorithm that reinforces that. But the information kind of the friction that actually exists for people is I get to gather with all my friends for free, but I have to watch these ads. But the friction that they've been able to build is that you couldn't have done that anyway. So they've been able to kind of go, well, how do I help bring all of these people together by thinking through the problem <clears throat> but that's a, that's a really good point with the yeah. washing machine and the Facebook, but the Facebook's very much a, and now looking back, they started from going off a, a dating app to like, yeah, like sure. a very weird place, but they sort of went along as they were going. And yeah, they it. aggregated. But looking know, back, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, that is the friction that they sort of dealing with and then the user is dealing with. And the value there is yeah. being created. But even as like their, well, I forget what they call it, like lookbook or at Harvard. I mean, it's so yeah. it's such a, um, you know, a kind of, I guess, an insecure nerd thing to do is like, <laughs> let's rate all the hot chicks. Like it kind of feels like a Beavis and Butthead kind of joke. Yes. More than- <laughs> and then it dominates the world. It's like yeah. that Gatorade crap yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it, it kind of comes from that. But the thinking that's actually in it, and I guess if you're a venture capitalist or, or in VC, however you want to think about it, what they saw was not... Not necessarily what kind of other people working at Facebook really saw. What they saw was a way to actually aggregate together communities that could clearly grow and scale through going to new schools, new groups, etc. To be able to build really for the first time one place you could go to find out all the people you've ever met in your life. So yeah. if you think about kind of um, what they really tapped into with that was the notion of friendship. So everyone tapped human psychology yeah. to a T. 
Exactly. And then they've sold that back to advertising to then play with that. Yeah, but they didn't have a monetization model really until they kind of- um, Yeah, well, that's you know, the retrospect. It's like, oh, yeah. hang on. We've got one of the most valuable assets all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. But no one entered it. That's the strange thing with Facebook in terms of the way that they, they sort of captured value without realizing it and then- sold it so yeah, the people totally. who came into the net like oh this is great and then all of a sudden it's, oh hang on i'm <laughs> a fish just caught in a net and if you know if if like um if kind of uh zuckerberg is like the devil father of yeah. kind of um facebook well then sheryl sandberg is really kind of the devil mom right mm-hmm. who actually kind of brought this advertising and kind of revenue kind of monetization of of eyeballs and attention model and kind of their um what is now you know kind of um called the social graph mm. you know being able to kind of figure out who pays attention to what and then being able to sit with an advertiser and and sell that to it so in another way they solved another friction Mm. for advertisers is they went how can you be more targeted and how are you actually going to go through but the reason like i mean i'm not a huge fan of facebook but i think the way that they thought have actually thought through um some of these i think is always a really good example about how they've tried to solve friction and there's many more in, in life but the focus always has to be i guess and the point i raised facebook is let's say you want to start a new Facebook, mm. it's very, very difficult to do that. So you can still have the same idea, but something like TikTok, they've sold another friction, which is actually that people don't just want to be um, two-dimensional in how they interact with each other. They went, okay, well, everyone wants to connect. We get all of that part, but how do we do something that actually solves the the inability to express yourself as perhaps you would want? No, but the video. cool thing on this is that that's actually changing. You can't come on it from a Facebook perspective. No. What's coming at it is now is where is the value actually created it isn't from facebook it is from the creators so that's where it's being segmentized and grown upon and it's like how do we actually empower those people give a bit more value to them but still hold that platform and allow people to build on rather than exist in is the new proposition spot on but that's they saw a friction that's, well, that's exactly what I'm to say. and that's yeah. where the iteration is coming and that's where the pace of tech is coming and that's why we're going through web three four five six seven eight nine ten exactly like a blink of an eye yeah. um and that's, it's it's a crazy sure. pace it's a crazy pace but what facebook has done funny is that they've done it as they've gone yep whereas they haven't necessarily sat back and i don't feel that they viewed that they've sort of gotten lucky in a weird way yeah and caught something and and it's just gone in their sales and they've had first mover advantage really exactly yeah and they and you know i think if you had to think about um you know their core capabilities as an established business is really an acquisition they've bought incredibly well right so i mean kind of competitive buying for sure yeah like in terms of kind of looking at instagram and going yeah we'll have a piece of that thanks etc but the the main object lesson out of of those as well is that you know in this maxim i always talk about is that the world doesn't need another online pet store right it just it it might but it's not really the place to kind of actually think about how you might be able to kind of really solve a friction I think most people broadly in terms of mass market, and this is one of the important questions to ask yourself, is do you want to actually get to scale or do you want to get to specialism Mm -hmm. when you're looking at addressing a friction? Because that certainly helps you to go. So I don't think the world needs another mass pet market. There's lots of those. But you could say, okay, well, I don't want to do that. So the friction I want to solve is, let's say, for a specific breed of dog or let's say for a specific issue that presents in some types of dogs, there probably is a world where you can actually build um, and take away that friction for people. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the, the thing that gets bandied around a lot in like service design or kind of these other businesses is like 
trying to understand the problem or the um i hate this word but the pain point mm. that's kind of actually exists for the consumer yeah <laughs> but the best way i often find to think about it is that it's kind of like i wish statements rather than pain points i often yeah. say well aspirations yeah i wish there was a um a pet store that actually allowed me to deal with um you know the fact that my labrador sheds everywhere right and mm. just there's just a store that did that well, there's probably segmentization of the yep. market but that's right where we're getting to yeah it's true that's it's where we're true. getting to and you can mm. get someone to knit you you sweater off the back of your dog's coat. That's where I've always. Mate, does it? Yeah. it I'm just gonna. I'm gonna end the recording. My now. dog's Go got great licenses. I've always wondered what's going on, but someone advertised on Community Community Radio a couple of years ago, and she's making a business out of the back of knitting off the back of people's fur babies. So, so what are you talking about? So she's making them coats out of their own coats. No, she's making her owner's coats out of. The dog's coats. Wow. That's pretty I'm going to see it and we're going to post it. Not but so sure. Yeah. The other thing with friction is the point around being able to solve friction point or listen to your your critics. Like That's the place where a lot of people go to when they talk about friction and creating mm. value off the back of. Yep. And they go, well, how do we... How do we engage stakeholders and how do we manage friction and then how do we grow from that friction point? And I suppose the big one there that we've spoken about is like, how do you listen well and how do you set up a company or how do you set up a personality or anything to actually listen, hmm. truly listen and then be able to solve a pain point, a friction point or whatever exists. And when it comes to say social innovation, a lot of this talk goes around how do we solve this and how do we actually truly mm. listen to solve real problems and there's a lot of hype and a lot of talk around that but the actual skill in doing that is impressive when executed well mm. and and that's where i think this sort of friction value yeah. creation is amazing because then from like a perspective of actually retelling that story of it's it's validated straight away because it's come from that mm directly solving a problem for someone who really really needs a problem solved yeah no that's that's yeah that's a great it's a great point and it, the thing it makes me think of is a lot of what hasn't happened in social innovation is it's it's late adoption of the emerging technology and what i mean by that is that a lot of these larger um tech or kind of web-based companies they their business model met a technology which was really about connectivity that was scaling so the the computer that we all carry around also known as a phone mm -hmm. they they were able to kind of meet that trajectory where social innovation is a bit further behind that but i do believe it's actually catching it's catching up and in a real hurry and there's so much space there's, well, there's a lot of problems. Out there. There's a lot of social problems, but then the 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 incentive structure is, and the, then kind of figuring out the business model is the part that. So coming back to our Facebook analogy. Yeah. They figured out one thing, which was that how do we actually kind of we can connect everyone who um, broadly their circles of friends and their circles of friends like that's their business model is that no one in the world has 280 friends, but most people on Facebook do. Um, but you don't have 280 friends. What you have is you have kind of. 20 people and maybe a few more if you embrace your classmates that then have people around them that you've met through them that you're ha happy to have a loose affiliation with on Facebook. Yeah. But th those 280s, if you 
put that across the world, that is an awful lot of people. But that, that's not their business model. Their business model is then how do they actually monetize that. And in social innovation, I think that's the part that is still really starting to emerge is they're going, okay, well, we can solve this friction. But then the question becomes is how to, and not to make profit, but how do we actually make that sustainable? Or how do we actually ensure that it's kind of, it's, it's cost neutral? These are the things I think in social innovation that are becoming frictions is in the business model itself. But that's where I think, say, the emerging crises that are going on right now is like from where, because a lot of where that funding's coming from is government contracts. It's their responsibility to look after people and solve inequality yep. and respond to natural disasters. So there's there's huge purses that exist and there mm. are people who are responsible for solving those problems. Yep. I suppose from like a startup or from a venture capitalist perspective is how do you exist within those and how do you get an understanding of that before entering? For sure. And that's that's the other part um, that is that's that's becoming part of the business model, right? And it's really great you pointed that out is that they're starting to look and go, okay, well, how do we get ahead of two things? One is the government's need to fund it. Maybe it's about kind of that it's more market orientated, mm. but government actually is more a customer of that type of product. And the other thing I think is how do we be more preventative rather than reactive? And this is like a huge thing we work with with some organizations that exist there and the hard thing to switch in terms of the purse strings is Hmm. and this ties into a lot of our conversations around how do you be proactive versus reactionary and a lot of this ties into the popular politics there's some easy wins to throw some money at a disaster but throwing money at something before it happens isn't an easy way to plaster your name in front of something because it doesn't look hero status but the reality is there's so many more of these Hmm natural disasters that are coming that there needs to be a change in where that purse heads and then for real problems to be solved there needs to be awareness around how that money is used and why it's used and who can help solve that because then it feeds into competition it feeds into awareness to how to sustain these businesses Hmm. and i think a lot of businesses get a great boost of satisfaction actually solving real world problems that they might feel connected to and we both know Hmm. that any business right now is any business trying to head near the top echelon of their sector Hmm. is trying to sit directly on purpose and understand how they are value creating for their community beyond Hmm. saving (laughs) on white goods yeah and that kind of that um that comes back to you know like even with like the white goods analogy if you were to do that in a purpose-based approach about sustaining a community that historically has made them etc there are examples of how purpose can go back through even the even the most chemical or the most industrial of supply chains i think what's what you're touching on is that there's it's coming out of what we spoke about last week which is ecosystems Mm. kind of growing around and i think um purpose as as it's broadly described is really about that it's about going the growth in the world is not top line growth. What it is is sideways growth. And what I mean by that is that it's about how do you enhance the, the connectivity of your business inside an ecosystem and how do you create participative value? And that's the Premier League example we put forward is that that is a behemoth in terms of its media rights, but yet its media rights now are flatlined, mm-hmm. right? So it's not going to get a lot more money through top line growth of audiences. What it's going to get is sideways growth through engagement and kind of being able to add other bits and pieces to yes. its model and stakeholder ownership like sense of that ownership i think you're so right hitting that is exactly where it's heading in terms of yeah. how do you understand that ecosystem and your play and whether you are someone value adding to that segment whether you're doing the 
how to reduce Labrador dog hair or how do you knit yep. your dog hair onto your back of your what? back? Yep. And why is <laughs> so like true. Yeah. There's so many segments, but there'll be someone that's facilitating that. Yeah. And holding yeah, that 100%. space. So it's a bit like a library of offerings. Yeah. And I, I look at it like it's um the Walmart question, right? So you can look at Walmart or mm. any major retailer um, here in Australia or abroad and go, okay, well, they're a grocery store or mm. they're a department store or they're a discount store. But the way that they can look at it and the ones that are succeeding look at it this way as they go, no, 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 we're actually part of an ecosystem. The second you say ecosystem rather than necessarily grocery store, that opens up a couple of different horizons one is if you're an ecosystem you have eyeballs walking through your store every single day you can monetize that you then have kind of um initiatives that come through you have food waste that maybe you can do something more productive than throwing it out the back you have suppliers who basically have communities that they need to support the second you start to look at it like that you i think open yourself up for more of um that but you also kind of re- they're removing each one of those little frictions or embracing them and kind of going okay well advertising you know maybe we can do more more of that in store maybe we can do something on food waste something on sustainability mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of a repositioning of the way that you think about growth growth used to come yeah quite often through more stores more volume more 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 whereas growth now is coming about kind of ecosystems and then going deeper and kind of getting deeper and deeper sort into of these like things distribution value essentially and you yeah, get like a, a little bit it. of it yeah. every time by other people carrying that value and owning that value and yeah. that's in the end, everyone's relying on everyone. And that's strength because then you can't get wiped out. Essentially. Totally. Essentially. Like someone, like you might get wiped out as part of the ecosystem, but the ecosystem is probably strong enough that someone else might come in and replace that. But it, the ecosystem would also almost be naturally self-healing, if that yeah. makes sense. So it can come well, through. Well, it's a good one. And, if it's it, a good and one. it actually has honest value that it's creating for its exactly. users. And it's, yeah. Yeah. People that are looks to serve yeah yeah and then that it kind of leads us into um wherever we go next with this but it's the the next whenever sorry not wherever we go whenever um if joe survives <laughs> new zealand um or if Forget he's just needs a, needs a job <laughs> yeah could be next friday could be the friday after so the the thing that's really um interesting about then what starts to happen about all of that is that you start to get into kind of the model that comes through and that you're seeing this become much more subscription based or mm-hmm little piece at a time what i would call kind of incremental bets rather than kind of big purchases so um and this is part of what you're kind of really touching on the biggest issue in a lot of kind of solving our social challenges and whether that's energy whether that's inclusion whether that's housing Mm. is that it's who's going to make the first investment right who's actually going to you know so there would be an easy solve to our housing crisis by someone just building 400,000 more houses in australia but that imagine saying that and seeing how that had actually come through the cost of doing that but then the model that you could put across that could be incremental ownership there's loads of different ways you could do it but i think where social innovation is really coming through is going we can't build more because we can't afford to do that but how we could do the incremental piece we could do different pieces of this so maybe they don't solve the whole thing but they might be able to solve part of it so you might be homeless but maybe you can stay here three nights a week and maybe that goes to five but those are the types of things people are looking at and solving big problems little bit by little bit yeah and it all comes down to actually 
communicating what that problem is and getting it out there and laying it. I suppose this is where open source comes in and it plays into the ecosystem. And mm. that's where ecosystem is strong, people solving problems in public. And that's where problems get solved at a fast rate. And that's when you speed up the pipeline from ideation to implementation. And mm. that's when cool things start to happen. And that's what a true ecosystem is doing. So someone might be working out something in public and then someone will have an idea from that and it's cross-pollination. Yep. And that's when you get some amazing ideas and amazing sort of understanding because I think people talk about it as the siloed effect as an organisation trying to hold on to territory. It's a legacy. They've pissed everywhere. They're so used to their own smell, their own scent that they don't let any new ideas waft in or any new dogs come in and piss in and they can't smell the value on that. But there is value. There's definitely value. And and then it's... You know, I think it's kind of a, that's a great spot to leave it because what it what it then starts to take you into is kind of that in that true capturing of those types of the new value that's being created. It is not like it used to be. It is if you think winner takes all, unless you have a huge thing that no one's ever thought about it just doesn't work like that anymore so it's about thinking through how like little bits of incremental value can i get whether that's through models like subscription models whether that's through like in my housing example what they're thinking about there is not houses they're thinking about nights under roofs so i'm not saying that's perfect but they've found a different way they've found a different way to look at it yeah and then finding different ways for people to continue that problem because it's yeah never probably never solved there's so many different if we're picking on public housing is there's a lot of hmm. social issues and then economic issues and sure. political issues that play into that hmm. but yeah could go on for this a lot a lot more and then talking about distribution and how this economic and ecological mindset of growing value starts to change the way you interact with your distributors yep. and what that actually means for telling story and strengthening about who you are and what you offer and what that means but there's a lot to unpack here but friction thinking about it understanding yeah. it and how distributed is is a, a powerful thing for a business yeah. and maybe that's what we do next is kind of talk about these new these newish kind of forms of value that are coming across and we talk about the models that are there to capture them so kind of because you make a great point is that the value in terms of like we've kind of spoken about how it's changed in terms of kind of the way that you actually kind of can look for it and then kind of find ways to enhance it but it's actually the form that it's taking and then the way that people are not even just commercializing it actually finding a sustainable way to exist is changing but the first part of that is kind of actually talking about the new combos of value that are not just monetary that are coming out Mm. all right let's jump there all right cheers pat cheers joe enjoy the slides i will (laughs) Thank you for listening to BAU Business As Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.